grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The text is today's Gospel, and I read again verse 23. Jesus, uh, John, rather, John said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Heavenly Father, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, unless we know Jesus and his amazing love, we can't think rightly of ourselves. Priests and Levites sent to John by the authorities in Jerusalem didn't know who Jesus was. They were wrong about their own importance and they asked John wrong questions. They didn't come to John as innocent inquirers for they didn't come to receive his baptism. Our text says that some of the delegations sent to John were Pharisees. And St. Luke comments in his gospel that the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by John. On the social scale, they were important people, but in God's eyes, they were in the dark. The authorities in Jerusalem sent a delegation to John because he'd made a huge impact on people. The first century historian Josephus wrote that many people came in crowds to John for they were greatly moved by his words. While this reference to John is significant because it's outside the New Testament, better is what St Mark wrote, as we heard last Sunday, that all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptised by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. It would have been tempting for John to make himself look impressive before these important people from Jerusalem. He was, after all, God's prophet. He was, as today's Gospel says, a man sent from God like Moses and Aaron, Samuel, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel and other Old Testament prophets. But John had no tickets on himself. He knew that his job was to bear witness about the light who is Jesus. So when the delegation asked, who are you? He said emphatically who he was not. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. What then, are you Elijah? I am not. The, the, are you the prophet like Moses? No. Well then, who are you? They asked insistently. John replied, I'm merely the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. John could speak honestly about himself because he knew who Jesus is. The priests and Levites continued to probe, wanting to know by what authority John was baptising. And that's when John began to speak about Jesus, though in a veiled way. I merely baptise you with water, but among you stands one you don't know. He's infinitely greater. I'm not worthy to do the job of a slave in relation to him. The strap of his sandal I am not worthy to untie, John said. The very next day, seeing Jesus coming towards him, John ramped up his witness to Jesus. It's possible that the Jerusalem delegation was still there and heard what he said. 
John had witnessed the baptism of Jesus. He'd seen the Spirit come down on Jesus and remain on him. He knew that he's the Lord who'd come from heaven as the true sacrificial Passover lamb to set sinners free. As John saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He went on to say, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and have borne witness, this one is the Son of God. John knew that he was the promised voice calling on people to make straight the way of the Lord because the Lord, who is the true light, had come into his world. If you didn't know Jesus, how might you think of yourself? You might think, I'm just a chance combination of atoms and molecules from the murky past. I'm conscious of my own surroundings while I'm alive, but I'm, I'm on my way to eventual oblivion. Or if you didn't know Jesus, you might think there's some sort of higher power, even an afterlife. I need to do my best in this life so that I can start off well in the life to come. Or you might think that life is about finding and living in harmony with the God inside yourself. I saw recently a variation on this theme on a chapel wall with a quote from Santa in the movie the Polar Express. Remember, the true spirit of Christmas lives in your heart. One might ask, what is that true spirit? And how do we know it lives in my heart? Another variation on this theme is the belief that your body isn't important. It's what you think and feel that is true. Such an idea isn't far removed from the beliefs of the Gnostics of the second century, the word Gnostic means knowledgeable one. Gnostics who have survived into the modern times in Iran and Iraq call themselves Mundaeans, which is from another language meaning the same thing, knowledgeable ones. They claim to be followers of John the Baptizer, but they don't know Jesus whom John witnessed to. After the upheaval of the 2003 Iraqi war, when they were no longer protected from the Islamic extremists, many thousands left Iraq to live in countries like Australia. Mundaeans believe that the body is bad, but the soul is good. They believe that the human body was created by dark gods, but that the soul or mind was created from the light. For them, the soul is in dire need of being rescued from the dark and from the body, so it may ascend to the heavenly realm of the light world. Mundaeans, dressed in white from head to foot, get baptized in a river many times in their life because they regard such baptisms as capable of bringing them closer to salvation. Believe that you can contribute to your salvation in any way because of what you do or what you know, and you'll either become smug like the Pharisees or you'll forever be unsure that you've achieved all you should have. Believe in Jesus, whom John witnessed to, and you'll know your salvation doesn't depend on you. 
It depends on Jesus and what he's done for you. You'll also depend on what his word tells you about yourself. His word teaches that human beings were created by one God who is good. The body along with the soul was created good. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, both body and soul became corrupt. Both needed to be saved by God. To bring that about, God's eternal Son, who is one with him, came to our world as a perfect human being, body and soul, so that he might take our sin on himself and pay for it by his death. He rose again victoriously, body and soul. While our souls will survive the death of our bodies, as the parable of the rich man and Lazarus shows, at the last day he'll raise all people to life, body and soul, and he'll change the bodies of his believers to be like his glorious body to live with him forever. Since we all by nature share in the corruption of Adam and Eve's rebellion, we know that if John, a courageous prophet of God and a great preacher, wasn't worthy of untying Jesus' sandal strap, much less are we worthy. We know that of ourselves we're sinners, unable to straighten out things in our lives. We know, as Isaiah tells, that all people are grass that withers and fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it, but that the word of our God stands forever. By way of God's law, that powerful, spirit-filled word pounds and kills our flesh as it, as it exposes and judges our sin. And we heard something of that law in our first reading today from Isaiah 61 when it says that the Messiah has come both to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and then it goes, and the day of vengeance of our God. So there's the law striking at us. But we also heard that wonderful gospel in the first part of the verse. He proclaims liberty to captives and he proclaims the year of the Lord's favour. By way of the gospel, God's word raises us to life and brings sweetest consolation as it tells us that the Son of God came to save us. And later in Isaiah 40, the chapter from which the, this verse of John comes, that he, he was sent to make straight the way of the Lord, later in that chapter it says, The Lord will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Doesn't that remind you immediately of our Lord Jesus who said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I lay down my life for the sheep. As you believe Jesus and his word, you'll be able to say, I'm a rebel child of God who deserves his eternal punishment. Yet for my sake, the eternal Son of God took on my human flesh and suffered the punishment I, re I should receive in my place. He gave his most holy body and blood into death for the sin of the world and so won everlasting victory over the devil, sin and death. By his baptism, he washes me with his life-giving Holy Spirit. He feeds and strengthens me with the Spirit-filled food and drink of his body and blood. He makes me holy, body and soul. At the last day, he'll raise me to life and glory so that I might live in his new creation together with the angels and all his redeemed people and may see and be with him face to face. 
This is your identity because of Jesus. You can say, fallen creature of God though I am, Jesus lifts me up and restores me. An old hymn that should be in our hymn book says that Christ's baptism brings free salvation that lasts to eternity. And it concludes like this. There is nothing worth comparing to this lifelong comfort sure. Open-eyed my grave is staring, staring at me that is. Even there I'll sleep secure. Though my flesh awaits its raising, still my soul continues praising. I am baptized into Christ. I'm a child of paradise. A child of paradise. That's the identity of all who know and believe what John witnessed to that Jesus is the Lamb of God and the Son of God. Amen. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.